It's the Bradfield Weather Podcast, brought to you by Action Carpet of Simsbury and Senate Travel of Waterbury. I'm Dan Lavallo. He's Bradfield. This is a special podcast. We are recording it on Sunday, September 1st. And the reason we're doing it is because of Hurricane Dorian. And apparently, Brad, this is a monster. What can you tell us about Dorian? Dan, Dorian is now a Category 5 hurricane, which is the highest level on the Saffir-Simpson scale. This is a life-threatening storm, and it's impacting Abaco in the Bahamas right now, and it is forecast to move to the Grand Bahama Islands and impact Freeport as well. So without trying to be too dramatic, we need to literally pray for this area from Abaco to Freeport in the Bahamas because this storm now has sustained winds of 160 miles per hour. And again, Dan, I want to emphasize to everybody at home listening that this is the 8 a.m. advisory on Sunday, uh, September 1st, from the National Hurricane Center. So the data that we are using in this podcast is from the 8 a.m. advisory. But the storm is catastrophic. That's how a a Saffir Simpson 5 is categorized as catastrophic. And it is catastrophic in Abaco right now and later today and tonight, which would be Sunday night, September 1st, it should be catastrophic in the Grand Bahama Islands, including Freeport. So that's the short term, Dan, a catastrophic hurricane. So we've got all sorts of things to talk about. And uh, I'd like to hear what you would want me to talk about first. Okay, I think the, the, the timing right now is key. And the other thing we're hearing is the European models are saying one thing, and then maybe some of the other models are differing. So let's start, first of all, with the models. There's two models in particular. So what, what are they talking about when they mention these models, Brad? Well, Dan, the uh, European model seems to be the most uh, southern track of all. And also, it's interesting that the European model seems to stall the uh, storm roughly in the area between the Grand Bahama Islands and the east coast of Florida. So it's whether or not we buy the idea of a stall. I am more thinking that the storm is going to be handed off from one steering mechanism to another steering mechanism. So if I had to place my bets right now on what computer model between the European model and the GFS model is correct, I think it's more that the GFS model is correct. In other words, the storm is going to continue to move and gradually turn as it moves. It may slow down and gradually turn as it moves, but I don't think it's going to stall and just sit in one place and wait. Um, There's a couple of things that can happen when a hurricane is a warm core storm. It needs to stay over warm water for it to uh, keep its energy and its strength. If it stalls, a la the European idea, what will happen, Dan, is these 15 to 20 foot waves, these mountainous waves, are going to upwell cold water from below. 
and cause the storm to start to slowly and gradually weaken. So that's the scenario if it stays in one place. You you need, especially up at our latitude, any kind of hurricane needs to move because if the hurricane is staying over one place of water, the upwelling will cause it to uh, the cold water from below to move up to the surface, and that would weaken the storm. So as far as the models go, Dan, the I tend to believe the European a little bit more in its scenario than the uh, the, I, I tend to believe the GSF a little bit more than I believe that Euro scenario. The European says, okay, the, uh, the storm is moving to the west, and all of a sudden it's going to stop, and it's going to wait for a trough coming in from the eastern United States to start steering it to the north. Now, Dan, from earlier this week, all of the modeling seems to be in accord now that the storm is going through Abaco, it's going through the Grand Bahamas, and it's moving towards Florida. Right now, it is moving due west at eight miles per hour. The storm is in a position now, now this is all based on 8 a.m. Sunday morning calculations. The storm is 225 miles due east of West Palm Beach. And the hurricane is moving due west at eight miles per hour right now. So we are praying that the hurricane turns and does not directly hit the Florida coast because the consequences and the results, if it does, would be devastating because this is a catastrophic storm. As far as What's uh, in effect right now, we've got a hurricane warning for the northwest Bahamas, and we have a tropical storm warning from roughly Miami northward along the Florida coast. Uh, and, and that's for um, the, the very strong possibility that tropical storm force winds will start affecting Florida during the day tomorrow. So we've got hurricane force winds that extend 30 miles out from the eye wall right now as it moves over Abaco and it moves toward Freeport. And we have tropical storm force winds that extend uh, about 100 miles out from the eye. So um, what we're looking at, Dan, is three things right here and right now. We're looking at devastating and catastrophic winds. We're looking at life-threatening storm surge. And I want to uh, tell people what storm surge is. It's not waves. It's water that is pushed up in front of the storm, and there are waves on top of the storm surge, destructive waves, mountainous waves, on top of a storm surge that's coming in 15 to 20 feet above a normal high tide. So that is the, uh, that is the killer in, in uh, a lot of hurricanes is the, the, the storm surge. And Dan, inland, um, we're looking at incredible volumes of rainfall. So those are the three main things that we're looking at. Um, the wind uh, the, with a hurricane uh, hitting Abaco today, the Grand Bahama Island Lake today, and the tropical storm conditions along the Florida coast for Labor Day means winds between 39 
and 74 miles per hour sustained. So, of course, if you have one more mile per hour of wind up to 75, then you get hurricane force winds as opposed to tropical storm force winds. So uh, the, the, the track, Dan, I think, uh, is going to move toward Florida and scare the heck out of folks that live on the east coast of Florida. But every meteorological indication, it seems to me as it's going to turn, but at the last second, like maybe a degree of longitude off the coast of Florida, which would mean some 50 to 100 miles, that's it. But if, if that eye comes closer to the, the uh, Florida uh, shoreline, and we've got those devastating winds out 30 miles from the center, so if my calculation is off by just even 25 or 50 miles, the east coast of Florida could get hit really, really badly. But right now it looks like it's going to move toward Florida and then start curving to the north and sort of parallel the coast, but right off the coast. Okay, so what does that mean for Georgia and the Carolinas? All right, well, we've got um, what we've got is um, – that those, uh, those tides, the storm surge running 15 to 20 feet above normal, and it's just to the right of where the eye would pass. So that's, that's one concern of the water being pushed in to the east coast of Florida as the storm approaches Florida. Um, the rainfall is um, the, the hurricane center has uh, some nice computer modeling on the rainfall. And for the um, area of Abaco and the Grand Bahama Islands, this is just incredible, Dan. One to two feet of rain is forecast. So, uh, in, in up to they're, they're even saying isolated amounts up to 30 inches. So, in other words, if you took every drop of rain, every flake of snow we get, say, in 10 months, and put it all into one storm, and, and that's going to pass in a day or two. That is what's being forecast for the, um, the uh, Northwest Bahamas. Now, for the United States mainland, um, the coastal Carolinas. Now, here's the thing. Once that storm starts turning north and it's paralleling the, uh, the Florida coast up toward um, Melbourne and Titusville, which is right in the Cape Canaveral area, and then moving north toward Georgia, just off the coast of Georgia, then just off the coast of South Carolina, it looks like it could make landfall, believe it or not, in North Carolina. It looks like it could make landfall um, somewhere from Wilmington, which is in extreme southern North Carolina, all the way up to the outer banks of North Carolina. So that's something we're going to have to watch there. The computer modeling for rainfall has 5 to 10 inches for the coastal Carolinas with up to 15 inches of rain. And um, the Florida Peninsula up to Georgia, pretty much 3 to 6 inches of rain uh, is in the forecast for, for them. So uh, it, it, this is just um, a storm that the folks have to stay with every second. And the, the risk is increasing now, Dan, not only for the Florida coastline, for this real heck of a scare. 
as as this catastrophic hurricane gets to within 100 miles of them before it makes the forecasted turn. But now we've got an increasing threat up the coast to Georgia, to South Carolina, to North Carolina. And Dan, you were making the point earlier about um, the GFS and the European models and so forth. Well, this is a little local teaser. I will tell you this, that the GFS is predicting five inches of rain for Nantucket in the Friday-Saturday time frame of this upcoming week. Guess what that is? That is the remnants of Dorian. Mm -hmm. But I do want to stress this, Dan. Only one computer model, you look at the spaghetti plot, and only one of, say, a dozen computer models brings Dorian up this way. Uh, the one that does brings it north, skirting through the outer banks of North Carolina, and then up the Cape Cod Canal. But again, I stress that is one out of about 12 to 15 models, and the other 13 or 14 of those models bring the storm, curve the storm south and east of what we call the benchmark, which is 40 north and 70 west. So uh, the, the, there's an overwhelming consensus that once the storm gets past North Carolina, it will go out to sea. But if you ask me, is it impossible that this storm hit New England, the answer to that would be no. Okay. You know, uh, one of the reports I watched last night talked about a high-pressure system in the Atlantic and a low-pressure system in the Gulf, and there was sort of a pincer movement. I'm wondering if that still exists. Yes, it, it existed first thing this morning, Dan, but the upper low that had been steering the storm to the west, the upper low now is escaping out into the Gulf of Mexico and moving toward Texas and Mexico. So it's doing what is what we call a handoff from one steering mechanism to another. So now the steering mechanism that is, is, is going to take over with Dorian now is high pressure ridging to the north and to the north and northeast of where Dorian is. So initially it is keeping it on that westerly trajectory, but as soon as, as Dorian gets on the backside of the high, it should start turning more to the north. Now, Dan, the emphasis is on should, because I've always talked to you about um, the jet stream kind of being a river of air. Now, if you walk up to a river of water and you throw a stick into the river of water, where's the stick going to go? It's going to move along with the current. Now, if the current all of a sudden turns, like moves down the river and then all of a sudden turns to the right, the stick will move down the river and then turn to the right along with the current. But what if you take a telephone pole and throw it into the current? The telephone pole, even though the turn is to the right, there is so much momentum with that telephone pole that for a while, it's going to keep going straight. That's what scares me about Florida. This storm has so much momentum and strength and power, and it's moving to the west 
as a catastrophic hurricane. So if all of a sudden there's a weak flow trying to buffer it to the north, it's going to take a while to make that turn. So I would say that the, the folks along the Florida East Coast have to keep their vigil up. I mean, I know that the uh, official forecast from the National Hurricane Center keeps the storm just off the coast, just barely off the coast. You, you cannot really look at that center point because you know there are going to be errors. It, the, the storm is not going to be where it's predicted to be in five days. The odds of that are very small. So what is it going to be? Is it going to be further west of where it's being predicted to go? Is it going to be further east of where it's being predicted to go? And there's a, um, a meteorologist that I love and respect very much. His name is Bernie Reno, and he works for AccuWeather. And he and I together, we've gone to a lot of meteorology conferences together and so forth. And we call it the windshield wiper effect. And we've always joked about the windshield wiper effect. Today is Sunday. Say we had a snowstorm coming on Wednesday. Well, between now and Wednesday, we've got 24 computer model runs. So you get these, um, especially the, the meteorologists that don't have much experience and are, are very nervous about making a, a major prediction, they will go to the models and do exactly what the models say. And we call it the windshield wiper effect. So in other words, a storm is projected to go from North Carolina to Nantucket and give us a big snowstorm here. And then all of a sudden, the next run, it's 100 miles out to sea. So, and then a, the next run, it's a back on course. So that's what we call the windshield wiper effect. You get the meteorologist saying, storm's going to hit, storm's going to miss, storm's going to hit, storm's going to miss. And then they keep doing that every time a model run comes out. So I've always maintained when you're steering a forecast that thousands of people are listening to you and thousands of people are counting on you, you turn it like it's a luxury liner. You turn the boat slowly. You don't go hard over with a helm or you're going to tip the boat over. So that is how you make a forecast and steer a forecast. The people in Florida have to maintain the vigil as the storm continues because it is not going to go exactly how the forecast is, is based right now from the National Hurricane Center. If it goes 25 miles further west before it makes the turn, guess what? The Florida coastline is going to get devastated by, by the hurricane force winds. So we have to watch. But the consensus now is it goes towards Florida, gets alarmingly close, parallels the coast from the space coast up to the Georgia coast, just offshore from Charleston, South Carolina. And if I had to guess right now, I'd say it will make landfall, perhaps on the uh, outer banks. Um, sometime in the Tuesday or Wednesday time frame, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. So that entire area is under the gun. In your many years as an award-winning meteorologist, uh, how many storms of this magnitude have you witnessed? Uh, any that you can recall? Well, the most devastating is um, Andrew, obviously, that just took out Homestead, Florida, uh, down in the uh, greater Miami area. 
uh, just a devastating Category 5 that came through. Um, Hugo, uh, of course, I believe that was in the late 80s, that came through South Carolina and North Carolina. Hugo was a devastating storm as well. So we've seen, um, you know, we've seen storms of this magnitude. Um, Homestead, North Carolina, uh, uh, excuse me, Homestead, Florida, it might as well have been a mega tornado that came through because everything was devastated. Uh, the, the Hurricane Center really uh, has worked hard on this Saffir Simpson scale. And when you get a Category 5, Dan, it, it's not hype and it's not alarmist to say where the eye wall goes, there will be catastrophic damage. The buildings will not be able to uh, be, be shelter. The, the homes will be destroyed where that Category 5 goes. So that's why I said today we have to have literally prayers for the people on Abaco and for the people on Grand Bahama Island that their meteorologists and their, their, uh, their officials got them evacuated, got them out of there. Because it, it's it's literally non-survivable unless you're you're probably in some kind of a bunker or something like that, or or you know some kind of uh, brick and uh, strongly built structure. But all the windows are going to break and and so forth. I mean, it's just a a catastrophic event that's ongoing right now. And and Dan, that is that is hypeless. That is not hype. Um, I've seen the results of what's happened when Category 5s come over, and um, it, it's, it's very scary. Now, in our part, uh, Connecticut, our region of the country, uh, what does our forecast look like? We're pretty fortunate for sure, but what does our forecast look like? Well, we've got a high-pressure system off the main coast, and, and um, Monday, Labor Day, we're going to have an approaching low-pressure system from upstate New York. Uh, that I think will go across Vermont on uh, Monday night and then move off of uh, the New England coast by Tuesday. So uh, for today, not bad, but a lot of cloud cover. We'll call it partly sunny with clouds tending to win out. So for the Sunday afternoon high, we're going for 75 to 80 degrees. Overnight for Sunday night, it looks like it'll be mostly cloudy, getting a little bit muggy with temperatures from the upper 50s to the middle 60s. For Monday, for Labor Day, I think it will be uh, more humid with a rising chance for showers and thunderstorms, especially late in the afternoon and on Monday night, temperatures in the 70s. And then, Dan, clearing uh, and warm with lowering humidity on Tuesday and the temperature near 80. And I'm deliberately going to stop right there, Dan, because I will ask you when we get off off the, the podcast here, uh, we should probably update our podcast again as we head toward the middle of the week so we can see if Dorian is going to have any impact on uh, southern New England, yes or no. Well, no right need, now, no, no uh, need, no need to ask off the uh, off our recording. We're we're updating. I'll guarantee it right now. We'll let our podcast audience know we're going to keep them up to date regularly on Dorian. How does that sound? Sounds great, Dan. Thank you, and and hopefully, hopefully, my voice will be back. I uh, 
I do not get allergies very much, Dan, but for some reason in the late summer, there must be something that blossoms in the late summer or early autumn. Maybe it's ragweed. I, I'm not sure what it is. Um, so if they, maybe if there's some allergists out there, they could kind of help me out. But um, I apologize for everyone having to listen to this really gravelly voice, but the, the information is vital, and I'm just so glad we were able to do this today, Dan. All right, my friend. And again, we will uh, keep everybody updated on a regular basis as far as Dorian is concerned. So just go to our website, bradfieldweather.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google, we're on all the podcast directories. But uh, go to the website, bradfieldweather.com, where we also have up-to-date radar. And on the top of our sidebar, I want to let people know, Brad, they can click right there and get the latest as far as Dorian's path. We have a link directly to the National Hurricane Center, and it is on our website, bradfieldweather.com. It's in the sidebar, at the top of the sidebar, well marked. So just click on that, and people can follow Dorian's path by the minute, really. That's how we've had it all set up on the website. Well, Dan, I want to say, too, that, um, you know, our podcast is is having some great reach. Uh, I, of course, uh, have contacted my family, and uh, a good chunk of my family lives in Fort Lauderdale, and they have evacuated uh, inland to, um, actually, to Chicago. They they have some business up that way, but uh, they have evacuated Florida until... Uh, the threat of Dorian has passed. And that's, um, that's great advice because, you know, you can't wait until it's too late. And, and forecasts are not 100% perfect. I would not want to risk a 160-mile-per-hour storm spinning 100 miles off my coastline and hope to God that all my meteorologists are correct that the storm is going to turn to the north. Because if that comes in a little bit closer than it's forecast to come, it's going to be too late to get out of there. And I wanted to also say that uh, I live in Granby, Connecticut, and we have a friend who used to live in Granby, Connecticut, and worked in the school system. All of a sudden, out of the blue, he commented on our last podcast, Dan. I don't know if you saw it or not. His name is Steve Stickle. He said, hey, Brad, you've always taken good care of me when we were up in Connecticut keeping my family safe. He goes... Thanks for your podcast that we just sent you down here in Florida. They've relocated to Florida. Mm -hmm. He's more on the West Coast. But he said that uh, we're keeping his family safe in Florida now, too. (laughs) So um, it's just showing that our podcast has some reach. Well, that's that's great for sure. Well, look, we'll talk again real soon. But uh, we want to remind people that the Bradfield Weather Podcast has been brought to you by Action Carpet of Simsbury and Senate Travel of Waterbury. And Brad will have an update uh, real soon as far as Dorian is concerned. So, again, just have people keep an eye on our website. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I just uh, I just want to add that uh, we are going to stay right on top of this, Dan. I hope everybody in New England enjoys their rest of their holiday weekend and, and has a nice relaxing uh, balance of the day Sunday and a nice day on Monday. But keep your, uh, keep your prayers going for the folks in the uh, Bahamas from Abaco to Grand Bahama Island in Freeport, and hope to God that that storm does make that turn and moves north up the coast instead of moving straight into Florida. I do think, Dan, 
and the Hurricane Center has made this prediction that the storm is a major hurricane, of course, with winds over 111 miles per hour. That's what category, categorizes a major hurricane. This thing's at 160, but they are projecting as the storm moves north into cooler waters, as it moves up the Atlantic seaboard of the United States, in theory, they are projecting that the storm would weaken to a Category 2 hurricane. So even if it made landfall in the Carolinas, hopefully it would be a lot weaker than a Category 5. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on it. Our Bradfield Weather Podcast. He's Bradfield. I'm Dan Lavallo. Thanks for listening.